Man, hey, let's praise God this morning. He is a good and loving and gracious God. Man, what a powerful worship set and to think about the love of Jesus. And I love that line that stood out to me that he'll knock down every lie. And that just, that just spoke to me, especially with what I'm getting ready to preach this morning, that he overthrows darkness and lies through the power of Jesus and the cross. And wow, it just ministered to me this morning. Well, got to give you an update. I told you last week that you guys were knocking it out of the ballpark on the memory verse. Y'all were much bolder than the 9 o'clock. You know what I mean? They stepped it up this morning. I told them how, how robust you were in the reciting of the memory verse, and they really answered the challenge this morning. So I told them that, so you all have got to keep your title. Do you think you can do it today? Think you can do it? All right, throw it up there. All right, we're going to do it. We're teaching through the, the book of Joshua, teaching through the main themes of, of the book of Joshua. This is our verse that God is using us to remind us to keep moving. All right, you ready? You sure? All right. Address first, the verse, the address again. Here we go. Joshua 1, 9. Just do it. Just do it. Haven't I? Joshua 1, 9. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> Y'all just took the mantle back, all right? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that your word promises us that as long as we're with you, that we can be strong and courageous. And Lord, we just thank you for a good day. And Lord, uh, we pray that as we open the word up this morning, that it would speak to us. Help me to preach the cross. Help me to preach Jesus crucified. And Father, we thank you for the word. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people prayed. Amen. So how many of you all are on Facebook? Out of curiosity, how many of you got a Facebook account? Okay. Well, surely you have logged onto Facebook, and one of your friends have messaged you. Somebody you know, somebody that, that you know, you see them often, and they message you, and then they say, hey, what's up? To which you write back, not a lot. What's up with you? And then the person that you see at church or at work or your loved one, whoever, then they say, did you hear the news? And you say, I did not hear the news. What? Tell me about this all-encompassing revelation that you've had. Then they say, I have discovered an African prince that is willing to give me a million dollars if I send him a thousand dollars. Are you in with me on this? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you think you have this thought, could this be somebody else? Than my loved one? And the answer is yes, that people get on there. They don't necessarily hack your Facebook account because that's not what they're really doing. They're creating a clone account. They're making an account that looks like yours and, and they steal one of your pictures and make it their profile and, and that's what they're doing. And their goal is to trick you into what? Giving them money. They're trying to scam you. So if um, you get a message from your pastor or somebody that wants to invite you to go to Africa to get a gigantic amount of money from some prince, um, that's not me, all right? And that's not missions, okay? So just keep that in mind, all right? So just understand that. But we see that scams have been around for a long, long time. This week I was, I was looking at, um, just reading different articles about scams, and uh, they were talking about somewhere in Philadelphia where there was this issue where uh, 
medical cards were being changed out, and um, somehow it was for senior citizens, and people, some scammers found out who were getting new medical cards or whatnot, and they were calling the elderly and saying, hey, we need your social security number before we get you, you know, the card, which is just not true. Or you ever get a call from the IRS that says, hey, we need, you know, this money. By the way, the IRS doesn't call you. Did you know that? If anybody ever says they're from the IRS on the phone, they, they don't call. Is that right, Ryan? They don't call. IRS will never call you. It's a scam. And they do this to often prey upon the elderly and, and people that are senior citizens trying to get money, thinking that they can dupe you. But I got to tell you the funniest thing, all right? When I was reading about this, we, we all know that senior citizens are a target for scams. <laughs> but, but one article that I read today or this week, it said, um, you would think that millennials would be very savvy with technology, but research has shown that young millennials actually are more vulnerable to scams than the elderly are. People between the ages of 25 and 34 are, are hoodwinked more, and, um, and as a result of that, they get suckered more than senior citizens do. So congratulations, millennials. Your grandparents are smarter than you. Did you know that? And so they have been smarter than you for a long time. But if you really want the... So guess what? The, the senior citizens are no longer the primary targets for people trying to scam. Um, it's you millennials now that are the ones that are the suckers for this. Hey, and also, when it comes to scams, a place that you're very vulnerable for scams is when you travel. There's a whole, whole business almost, I don't know what you call it, criminal organization of people that prey on tourists. That when you go somewhere, they have tricks. And I remember me and Brad uh, was in New York City. And um, uh, we were told that this was something that happened, and we were walking. And it's good to have somebody that was a Marine walking with you in New York City. That's, that's nice. All right, you know, so, so Brad is with me, and uh, you know, we're walking. And this guy throws a CD in front of my face. You remember this, don't you, Brad? And, and, uh, and then Brad just grabs my arm, keep going, Kenny, keep going. Dumb preacher, quit talking to him. You know, and he pulls me away. And what was going, what was about to happen, this was what they did. This was what they would do. If you had multiple people with you, they would stop one of you which would make the other person stop too. And then that's like a whole organization. It's like that's a whole thing. Somebody would come along to your friend while you were stopped, knock them over, knock them over on the ground and then keep moving. And then what's your natural reaction? You bend over to help your friend, right? And when you do that, you expose what? Your wallet. So the dude with the CD takes your wallet. It happens. I mean, scams are everywhere. Deception is everywhere. So next time I go to New York with one of you all on a mission trip and somebody knocks you over, you're on your own. You know what I mean? So that's just kind of what, that's just kind of what happens, all right? So, so we understand that people are really out to scam us. You know, our church um, is in a time of transition. This whole series has been about transitions, moving from one point to another. And what we have to remember is that when we are in a season of change and when we are moving from one way to another, the truth is you are very susceptible to scams during that time. But not just the like the you know the Nigerian prince wanting your money or your bank account, or you know somebody saying something weird like that. We are under the threat of spiritual scams that are coming our way. Spiritual scams 
that come. Now, I want you to take your Bible. Open up the book of Joshua, chapter 9. That's going to be where we're hovering around. We're not going to hit every verse in chapter 9, but we're going to hit the majority of it. So keep your Bibles open. It's on the screen. It's on your, your app. But just make sure you got the Word of God in front of you. Okay? We know that Joshua has led the Israelites across the Jordan River. They have rededicated themselves to the Lord. And, and they have also marched upon Jericho. God did a great work. He destroyed the walls of Jericho. They, they took Jericho because that was their assignment. The Israelites were coming to town, and they were going to destroy the, um, they, were, they were to annihilate the Canaanites and all the other groups that lived in the promised land, and God had told them to do that. And what they were going to do, they were going to inhabit the promised land, and that's where they were going to be. This was God's judgment upon the, the pagans in that culture and, and, and the Israelites were coming and they were not, Moses had told them, they were to never make a treaty with the people in the promised land. Now they were allowed to make treaties outside of the allotted area. So they weren't just warmongers. They were allowed to go outside of the country and make you know, a, a, agreements and arrangements. But people in the promised land, that was the judgment of God, they were not to be spared. And what we see happening, the sin of Achan, we talked about that last week, there was sin in the camp, it caused them to, uh, to fail taking the next city. They repent, they, they get rid of the Achan problem, and now they are pressing forward to the next stage that God has for them. And you would think, well, surely they learned their lesson, right? After this sin with Achan, they learned their lesson to walk with God and to walk close with the Lord, but yet you see them messing up again. Friends, isn't that the human condition? And also, aren't you glad that you have a Jesus that doesn't just give us second chances, but third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chances? That we have a God that gives us grace for when we fail. But yet at the same time, what we learn from this passage is that there are people out there that are going to try to take advantage of you spiritually. And there are people out there that are going to try to hurt you. So here's the big idea. You ready? Deceivers. Deceivers desire to deceive me. Deceivers desire to deceive you. Haters going to hate. Players going to play. And the deceivers are going to deceive. That's what's going to happen. That's a little Taylor Swift reference for those that didn't pick that up. And um, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Okay. So we understand today that deceivers are out there. And their goal, their goal is to trick you. Their goal is to take you down a path that does not look like the Word of God and to get you to believe something that is not biblical and not scriptural. A few things as we look at the text, and remember, keep your Bible open as we preach today. A few things that we're going to look at as we learn about deception. This is what I want you to see first. Deceivers, not maybe, not might, but deceivers will come. They will come. There will be people that will come to you looking one way when in all reality they are something completely different. Now the story, uh, after they defeat the city of Ai, they're still camping out, they're getting ready to go, and look what happens in verse 1. When all the kings heard about Jericho and Ai, those who are west of the Jordan, the hill country, in the Judean foothills, and all along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea towards Lebanon, the Hethites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the, 
Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the other Ikes that you want. They formed a unified alliance to fight against Joshua and Israel. So when they sinned, when, when Israel sinned with Achan, and then the city of Ai captured them, and they had to fix that problem, before that happened, all the nations were scared of them. They were terrified of Israel. But when Israel messed up, then they took Ai, they're not so scared anymore. So Achan's sin is still being seen in this. They're still not as nervous. And now instead of the kings of the land, um, instead of them being terrified of Israel, what do they do? They do what? They band together. And they're going to create an alliance, a coalition to fight Israel. But now there's another group of people in the land that do something very different. When the, inhabit, when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they did something different. They acted what, church? Deceptively. They gathered provisions and took worn-out sacks on their donkeys and old, and, and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They wore old patched sandals on their feet and threadbare clothing on their bodies. Their entire provision of bread was dry and crumbling. That was, oh, there's a reason for that. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgah and said to him and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land. No, they hadn't. They were from the promised land. Please make a treaty with us. So here's what happened. The other kings of the land are going to form a coalition and fight Israel. But the Gibeonites are different. They say, hey, we've seen what God did with these people in Jericho, and we saw what he did with them in Ai. We do not need to be opposing them. But we also know that the Lord has told Israel not to make any treaties with anybody and to completely wipe out the land. So what do we do? We have no choice. We have no chance. But here's what we are going to do. We're going to pretend that we're not from the promised land. We're not from Canaan. We're going to pretend we're from like over yonder somewhere. We're, we're not from Sargo or Philpot. We're from Canada, all right? You know, that's what they're saying. We're from Canada. And they come and they put on a show. I mean, they've got, they send delegates and they got like worn out clothes and like their toes sticking out of their sandal, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just, it's looking bad. They've got this moldy bread and they go to Joshua and they say, we're from a distant land and, and they, they throw out all the punches. They look tired. They look like their food's bad and they've just a few miles from down the road. They have, they're going through all the shenanigans to fool Israel. And their goal is to make them make a treaty with them. Now, that may not mean much when you read that, but that word is the same word as covenant. And if you go back in the Old Testament, the word, is the word covenant a big word in the Old Testament? Big. It's a, it's a symbolic act of going into agreement with God. Huge. This is the first time that word is used since the Abraham promises. It's the, first, the second time outside of the Abraham promises the word covenant, treaty, is used. It's people going into treaty with people that are not of God. Is that a big deal? Big, big deal. So they attempt to deceive. And they wear different clothes. They, they play the part. They might change their accent. And they say, please make a treaty with us. Swear unto the Lord that this is what will happen. Make a treaty with us. Friends, I want you to know today that as we are on the journey of walking with the Lord, 
that there are forces that are out there that will attempt to deceive you and that will attempt to distract you. This should not surprise us. It should not surprise us one bit that we have an enemy and the enemy is the devil. Listen, I'm not, these won't be on the screen, but I want you just to write these down and listen and just, just write down the verse reference and then you can go home and look it up, okay? But I want you to see what the Bible says about our enemy. John 8, 44. Jesus tells us that he, that's, that's Satan, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of all lies. The devil is not some sort of um, myth. He's not some sort of like goat-legged, horn creature. He is a fallen angel and his goal and purpose is to deceive you. Listen to what John, uh, what Revelation 12.9 says. Revelation 12.9. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The one who does what? Deceives the whole world. His goal is to deceive you, to trick you. Um, 2 Corinthians 11.14. 2 Corinthians 11.14. Paul tells us, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So how does the devil deceive us? He does not come to us looking like a ferocious, vicious lion or a ferocious, vicious dragon, which is what he is, but yet he doesn't come to us looking like that. Instead, he comes to us as an angel. He comes to us with the desire to deceive, the desire to trick you. In addition to that, Satan also will send people that will do his work. For example, Jesus tells us that there are such people, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. write that down, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles for Christ. So as Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, the false leaders, the cult leaders, the false teachers, they will come looking like a genuine apostle of Jesus Christ. They will come looking like a Bible preacher when they are not. Jesus would also tell us in Matthew 24, 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will arise, and this part blows my mind, and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Isn't that strange? Even Jesus said that some of these false teachers could perform, are they miracles? Are they supernatural? I don't know. I do know that if there's any power there, it is rooted in the demonic and not of God. That's why we got to be really careful of always putting our stock into like supernatural type things of dreams and visions and things like that because they're fickle. They don't, they don't hold up. What we understand is, is that the word of God is eternal and the word of God is true. And we see this very true in today's world that we live in. There are groups and there are people that are out there that are working for the enemy and that are preaching a gospel that is no gospel at all. They are preaching a message that is in contrast, that is, that is not the word of God. I think today of groups like the Mormons or the Jehovah Witnesses. These are groups that do not believe Christ is divine. They do not believe that we are saved by grace through faith, that it's a personal relationship with Jesus. They believe in a works-based gospel. I think of those that are involved in the so-called prosperity gospel, where if you just love God enough, if you just 
love Jesus enough and you'll never get sick, you'll never have cancer, you'll never, you'll never have hurt in your life, even though all the disciples died poor and was murdered, right? And by the way, they also have no problem telling you to give them money, right? I think of those that are that would get up and preach, but yet dissect the Bible, cut the Bible apart, not pre, you know, believe that some parts of the Bible are not inspired or inerrant, or or believing that some miracles didn't happen. And they would lead you away from a reliance upon God's word. I think about how even something like universalism has has something that is so far from the gospel has infiltrated the church. Meaning, like you would you would never a hundred years ago hear a Bible believing Christian ever say, Well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. You would have never heard that ever. Because it's not true. But yet today we see that in the modern church. Well, as long as you're just sincere, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Because if just if our sincerity saved us, if sincerity saves you, that makes Jesus Christ a liar. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Meaning what? That if you believe all roads lead to heaven, you're not believing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And deceivers, deceivers will come and preach this. It doesn't matter what you believe, just be sincere. No, friend, it does matter. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Not your works, not your religion, not your good deeds. It is just Jesus who saves us. And these deceivers will come. They will target your church. They will target your family. They will target you. And you need not to be naive that they're out to get you. Because they are. They target you. They're coming so we have to understand that deceivers will come. And, they, and that's what the Gibeonites did. They came to the people of God dressed one way to deceive them, to say, hey, make a treaty with us. You know, go into agreement with us. Disobey God. Disobey what God said and listen to us. We're going to trick you. We know that if they're coming and they, deceivers will come, here's what else we need to know. We need to know that deceivers will come and then also, we must be prepared for their coming. Deceivers will come, and we must be prepared for their coming. Now, you go down, they, they give this really sad, sob story. We've come a long way, and we want to worship your God. We want, to be, we want to be in treaty with you. Make the covenant with us. Don't kill us ever, ever when you come to town. Make an agreement with us. And look at verse 14. Skip down a little bit. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions. Now, you might think that, like, they were bribing them. That's what I first thought when I was reading the text, that, you know, oh, they brought some gifts for them, and they took them. Well, not really. Actually, most commentators believe that what happened was that the Israelites were doing an honest inspection of these people. Because when you read the text, when you go back up a little bit, it seems like they're skeptical. Like, the Israelites think, these people may not be who they say they are. So they make an inspection of their stuff. They take their provisions. They're looking through. Are these strangers that come from a different land, are they really who they say they are? So what are they doing? They are operating in a human way, and they're combing through it. Friend, I want to tell you something. We need more common sense in this world. Amen. 
We need more common sense. There's no question about it. We need more common sense. But even with the best common sense that's out there, human knowledge and human wisdom is still flawed and deprived. Meaning what? You ready? Humanly speaking, we don't make good decisions. Humanly speaking, we can't catch everything the devil throws at us. And look what happened. They took the provisions, they did their human inspection with their own eyes and their own way, but they did not what? Seek the Lord's guidance. Gee whiz, you think that's a big part of that verse right there? They didn't seek the Lord. What? So translation, guess what they didn't do? They didn't what? Pray. They didn't pray. So Joshua, now, whoa, wait a second. So who? Joshua. Like the second Moses, Joshua? So Joshua established peace with them. Uh-oh. Not good. Because they were instructed to do what? to the inhabitants of the land. Destroy them. And they made a treaty to let them live and the leaders of the community swore an oath to them. They were fooled. They were hoodwinked. Well, Kenny, what's the big deal? Why couldn't they just go back on their word? Because the Old Testament also forbid you breaking an oath in the name of the Lord. It forbade that. So, you ready? If they would have disobeyed their oath, it would have been a double curse upon the Israelites. So guess what? Because they were hoodwinked, because they were tricked, they weren't prepared, they had a, they had a gigantic, gigantic problem. We see today that we must be prepared for when deceivers come. Can I tell you how, that ha how you get prepared to make sure you don't get hoodwinked by some cult or some false gospel or something like that? You ready? First, you, three things. You ready? Number one, you need to be involved in a local Bible-believing church. You don't need to be a member of the first church of the Christian TV station. All right? You need to be with real flesh and blood people that you're in agreement with so you know what they believe and you're, and you're sitting underneath the word of God being preached to you. Number two, you need to be systematically studying your Bible meaning that you need to open your Bible up and daily you need to be reading what the Word of God says. Amen? Amen? You need to be studying God's Word chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Do it with an ink pen in hand. Write in the margins. Underline. Circle. Journal. Systematically study God's Word. And number three, you need to be committed to a daily prayer time where you are communing with the living God. That's how we prepare for deception. That's how we prepare against the false leaders and the false teachers coming to hurt us. Being committed to a Bible-believing church, being involved in daily systematic study of God's Word, and daily praying. And here's why. Because if we're not prepared if we're not prepared for false gospels, false cults of cults or, or, or just false theology coming our way, if we're not prepared for the coming of deceivers, we will experience damage. We will get hurt. We will be wounded in the process. 
So you go down, verse 16. Three days, that's all it took to come out. Three days after making the treaty with them or the covenant, they heard that the Gibeonites were their who? Their neighbors. And guess what? They were going to be their neighbors for a long time. For a long time. And they were living among them. So the Israelites set out and reached the Gibeonite cities on the third day. Whoa, time out. The what? The Gibeonite what? Cities. Plural. Plural. Now the cities were Gibeon, Cherifeth, Beeroth, Kerem, Jerem, however you pronounce those, okay? Uh-oh. Not only did Israelite make an agreement with a group, they made an agreement with a group that was part of a confederacy of city-states. Massive amounts of people. Okay, is this a bad move on behalf of Israel's? On behalf of Israel. You think it's a bad move? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So as a result of that, they did not attack them because the leaders of the community had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And look what happened. Then the whole community grumbled against the leaders. They were disobedient. They were not to enter into any kind of covenant or agreement. They were acting in human ways, human flesh, common sense, common wisdom, and they messed up. They bombed it. And now they've got these people that have now basically become an issue of what do you do with these people when you inhabit the land? When you take over the land, what do you do with this group of people? What do you do with them? It becomes very problematic. And what happens? The people of Israel begin to do what? Grumble. The same word that the old generation used against Moses. Remember that? Now they're grumbling again. Another generation. We must always be ready for, the, for them to come, but if we give them ear, if we listen to them, if we let their doctrines inf infiltrate us, if that happens, it's going to hurt our church. It's going to hurt your family. Friends, I, I pray that God would give me and Taryn a long tenure at Life Community Church. I pray that. I pray that God would let us see this church through, through many different phases and transitions. I pray that God would just let us do that. But if God was to call me away or if I walked out of here and got hit by a bus or struck by lightning or like a, I don't know, the circus is driving through town and an elephant gets loose and steps on me or something, I don't know, all right? But I, I die, all right? I would pray that whoever you would call as the next pastor of Life Community Church would be a Bible believing and Bible preaching pastor. That is more important than anything else within your church, that your pastor stands upon the Word of God. And if I was to die by death of elephant stampede, okay, and the Lord was to allow me to hear that you had called some preacher that didn't believe the Bible and wouldn't preach the Bible, I will humbly ask God to give me permission to come back as zombie Kenny and infect every one of you with the zombie apocalypse. All right? I'm praying for that, okay? If you do that, all right? I pray God gives us a long tenure. But here's what I know is that, listen, you've got to guard the church. You've got to make sure the church is preaching truth. But listen, it's not just the church. Listen, you've got to guard your families. 
You've got to make sure, moms and dads, that the Word of God is being taught in your house and in your home. You've got to make sure that your children know when a false doctrine is approaching them or coming upon them. I think one temptation is to completely isolate our children from the lost world, and that's not the answer. The Apostle Paul said, you know, we have to be in the world but not of the world. There's a big difference in that. You don't have to isolate your kids from the world, but you must teach your children what is truth and what is not truth. Amen? You do have to teach your children, and you've got to shepherd your children. You've got to make sure that your family is grounded in the Word of God. Love the Bible. Make sure the pulpit preaches the Bible. Obey the Bible, but also have the Bible in your house. And not just on a shelf, but that it's read, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's focused on, and it's taught. The scriptures are taught because if not, the grumbling will happen. It will kill your family. It will kill your church. It'll kill. We've seen churches go completely downhill because they they left the Bible. They left the Bible out of it. And you can't do that. Consult God's will. Finally, though this is depressing to think that these people will come and try to trick us and hoodwink us, these cult leaders, these groups, You need to be encouraged about something. To look at your neighbor and say, just wait. No, no, you need to do that louder. Y'all were doing good earlier, all right? Say, just wait. Encouragement is coming. Be encouraged because deceivers in the end will not be victorious. They will not win in the end. Look at verse 9. All the, or 19, all the leaders answered them, we have sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. I'm sure they said that very happily, didn't they? Well, we can't touch them. We got tricked. This is how we will treat them. We will let them live so that no wrath will fall on us because of the oath we swore to them. And it would have. If they would have doubled back, they would have been in double sin. Two wrongs don't make a right. Because of the oath that we swore to them. They also said, we'll let them live, so, or let them live. So the Gibeonites became woodcutters and water carriers for the whole community. And the leaders, uh, as the leaders had promised them, Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said to them, why did you deceive us by telling us you live far away from us, when in fact you live among us? Therefore you are cursed and will always be slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. They don't get off the hook. They don't get off the hook. They will not be allowed to be treated as equals within the community. They will be wood wood carriers, wood cutters, and water carriers for all of their days. They will, they will, and they will. They will, they will show up in the days of David. David has to protect them. Um, That happens. You can read about that. David has to protect the Gibeonites. So they become a serious baggage on the Israelites, a serious problem. But at the same time, the Gibeonites are not going to have the same freedom that they did. I think about an even greater scenario. Even though Satan wants to trick your family, he wants to trick you, he wants to get you to believe something that's not the gospel of Jesus, he wants your church not to believe the gospel of Jesus, here's what I have to say. Even though he is ugly and he is mean and he does so much damage, hear me. Revelations 20.10 promises this. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and suffer and, and, and suffer and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Can I tell you something? The devil will get his due. 
And one day he will be punished and he will suffer for his sins. Well, can you, what about today when the cults come around? I want you to hear me. The Jehovah Witness, the Mormon, the Scientologist, whatever, are not your enemy. They're not your enemy. Well, can you, what do you mean by that? Well, their, gospel, their message, their message is, is not the gospel, and it's wrong, and it's a cult message, and their message is evil. But those people that are in that mess, you need to hear something. They are victims of the devil today. And they are in trap. They are in a trap of the sin. The pastor that won't preach the word of God is a victim of the enemy. The TV preacher that gets on there and is living for money and begging for money has been trapped by the enemy. These people are victims. Now, is their gospel an enemy? Absolutely, their message is an enemy. But they are not. I know it's tempting when a Jehovah Witness knocks on your door or a Mormon knocks on your door just to take the broomstick and beat them out of there, right? But there are two people in this room, and I'm not going to embarrass them. If they want to raise their hands, they can. They have accepted Jesus out of Jehovah Witnessism. Isn't that awesome? Born again. And let me tell you something. Shane and Chelsea are, were not our enemies. They were lost. They were lost. And Jesus saved them. Listen, I'm not telling that you need to get into like some sort of gigantic debate with a Mormon on your front porch. Because sometimes they know more than you think they do, and they're pretty sharp. They can twist scripture really, really good. But here's what I am telling you. Don't be mean to them. Don't be ugly to them. Tell them that Jesus has saved you. And you don't have to know everything. You don't have to get it. And I would actually encourage you not to get into a gigantic debate with them. I would encourage you not to. But I will encourage you to tell them that Christ has saved you. And with a loving and compassionate spirit, tell them that Christ died for, that Christ was God he came, he died on the cross. Make sure you always clarify he's God. That's a big deal for Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. They don't believe he's God. But Christ is God, that he died on the cross, he rose again, and you too can be saved by grace. Present the gospel to them. And if you don't believe that God can save a Jehovah Witness, just talk to Shane and talk to Chelsea afterwards. And they, listen, they are praying for their family members to come to know Jesus, aren't you? And we are too as a church, Amen. We're praying. Don't hate them. They're not the enemies. They are victims of the enemy. But as we see with transitions, Satan can come along and twist and all kinds of stuff. Even with our church, as we are in a transition and we're moving from A to B, you know, we're, we're getting out of this facility, we're getting over there, and things are going to be changed. Don't buy the devil's lie because, you know, there's going to be stuff that you don't like or the work wasn't done a certain way and you got a tendency to grumble, right? Well, it's true. Amen me or not, it's true. Well, you amen me or not, it's true. Here's what I'm telling you. That's just Satan trying to deceive you in another way. To get you off the main focus. 
Don't let, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Don't let it happen. Trust in the Lord. And the reality is, is that the only way we're really secure from the falsehood of the enemy and the, and the lies of the enemy is that if we are walking in truth. And the only way we can live in truth is in a relationship with the God-man, Jesus Christ. By giving our lives to Jesus, admitting we're sinners, believing that he is God, that he died on the cross and he rose again, and choosing to follow Jesus as our Savior. That if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we give our lives to Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you will then be able to sniff out any kind of deception because you know the truth. And his name is Jesus. Maybe today you're here and you don't have a relationship with the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus Christ. Oh, how I urge you to come to Jesus, not to listen to the lies and the deceptions, but to give your heart to Christ. And for those of us that are part of this church, if you're a member of the church, I'm going to ask you to do something today. I know I've preached way too long, but I want to tell you something. I'm going to ask you today to come and to pray for your church, that your church would be protected from the enemy, that your church would never give up on the big five, worship, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, and ministry, and that your church would never, ever leave the word of God, that your church would be a Bible-believing and preaching church. And then I want you to pray for your families, that the word of God would have a significant place in your family. Pray for your children that deceivers won't get them. Pray that God would help them. And by the way, when deception comes, it causes so much damage, so much hurt. You'll see that next week. Very next chapter, Israelites are in trouble because of this dumb thing they did. But what I'm telling you is that we must come today and pray that we stand on the word of God and recommit ourselves to being Bible-believing Christians. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for Jesus. And Lord, today we pray that your spirit would lead us as we have a time of prayer, that we would be committed to the truth. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, I pray today that they would believe in Christ, would be born again, would be saved, and that you'd let them come to know Jesus. So Father, thank you for all that you do. Lord, we know that you, God, are the truth and the way and the life. So we sing you we sing to you and we praise you. May we come today as a church, Father, and call on you to keep us from deception. We pray in your name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, church. I'm going to ask if you're a member of the church today to come and pray. Just step out. Come and pray. If you, if you can't come and kneel down, maybe you want to come sit on the front row or just come stand. But let's just pray that our church would always be committed to God's word. If you need me to pray with you, I'll just stand right here. Charlie Marks over there. We'd love to have individual prayer with you. Um, Tara's just going to sing and lead, and then you pray and you do as God lays on your heart.